Um, okay, we're going to be in Joshua 14 today. I have to be a bit careful um, because actually this is Andy's preach. So um, Andy texted me this morning to say he wasn't feeling too well. Um, but if you, if you know me at all, I'm like a fag packet preacher. And that sounds bad. But like, I love to prepare, but I don't prepare six pages of notes. I just don't. Like, I, I just, I normally prepare fag packet notes. And Andy's given me six pages of notes, so I need to be careful because six pages of notes, I reckon I could preach for about four and a half hours. Um, <laughs> so Andy, I've, Andy's probably watching at home with Lynn. I so hope I do you justice because, and the thing is, I looked at it when I was reading it, I was like, man, this is just too good. There's so much goodness that has just been loaded into this. And so Andy's just done a brilliant job in preparing it. I hope I do you justice in delivering some of it, my friends. Um, I hope you feel well soon. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to have a little look into Joshua 14 together. We're going to continue the story. In lots of ways, he kept saying to me, Ollie, it's just like your part two from next week. That's all it is. It's part two. Um, but I, I feel like there's, there's something that God wants to do a bit deeper in us because this is looking at this character of Caleb. And we kind of on purpose. So we're doing a bit of a double, double, um, double bit on looking at some of the old dogs in this story. And so as you can imagine, when Martin was putting the series together, Martin picked Andy and Clive as the old dogs um, to deliver it. But I'm sorry that you've got a young pup trying to talk about an old dog this morning in Caleb. Um, but that's the kind of character that we're looking at today. And what I want to say about character is that character is actually something that develops over the course of a lifetime. And so one of our vision statements as a church is that we want to be a church that grows in its character and grows in its gifting with each other. So that's why we have small groups, because actually this event this morning will do very little at developing your character. Maybe a little bit, because you've had to make a choice to get out of bed and to come here and to not do something else, but instead to gather with the people of God. And maybe you'll have to learn to be a bit more considerate and kind of the others that are around you. But this isn't a, there isn't a lot of character formation happening here, bar the word of God being preached. And by listening and submitting to the word of God, we find that a bit like the way that a river cuts through a valley, the word of God cuts through us and shapes our life. So you see that, you know, natural rivers, they're all formed through water just over a period of time, cutting through the rock and creating a valley. The word of God's regularly submitting yourself to it and sitting under its authority and allowing it to shape you will shape your life like a river shapes a valley. But it takes time. The character of God's people develops over time. The moment of salvation, deliverance is instant. God steps into your life and he says, you're mine. You were once an enemy, now you're a friend. You were once a sinner, now you're a saint. But the development of character happens over a long period of time. And so when you look at a character like Joshua or like Caleb, you realise that their formation of who they are, their character and their gifting has been formed over time and experiences. You can't fast track that. You can't. You have to live you have to go through experiences and slowly you find, hang on a minute, my character is being shaped by these things. So with all this in reference, I'm going to talk a little bit about Caleb as an individual from Joshua 14. And why did he end up saying, give me the giants at 85 years old? Why was he still the one saying, no one else wants it, give it to me? And the beautiful thing is he then sees later on in the story in chapter 15 his daughter then says as well come on dad you're giving me this bit of land give me the spring water as well because what you notice is that people of godly character shape the next generation as well you spend time with people of character 
So Asha spends time with her dad and sees Caleb's character and desire to pursue after God. And funny enough, she becomes just like him. Give me the land, gods. Come on, you give me this. I want more. Because that character gets formed. That's why church has a culture that grows in it. This church has existed for like 33, 35 years. And character has been formed in it. Culture has been formed in it. And I've spent time, in the course of this week, I've spent time with two people that are both facing terminal cancer diagnosis. They're down to what could be months to left to live. But it's at that moment in your life that you realise character comes home to roost. It just does. You spend time with those people and you realise, whoa, character has been formed over a long period of time. And now, when the chips are being cashed at the end of your life, you notice hang on a minute, something that God has been doing in me over a whole number of years is coming to roost. It's starting to be shown. So if you're very new to the Christian journey or you're very young in the room, see this as an opportunity to say, I want to be a person of character that lives and dies well for Jesus. I want to be someone who invests. And the thing is, you can't say, oh, I'll put off the character formation until I get into my 40s. No, start being changed and shaped by Jesus today. Start letting him be at work in your life so that character, I'm not even on the notes yet, sorry. This is what I mean, fag packet preaching. But please, like, see that character begins today by saying yes to God's and tomorrow by saying yes to God's and the next day by saying yes to God's because success is obedience. Success is daily saying yes to Jesus. You want to change me, God. You want to make me more like your son. You want me to grow in character. You want me to grow in gifting. You want my life to bear much fruit and much glory for your fame. You long for me to die well, fully possessing all of the promises that you have in hand for me. I'm going to trust you today. We don't do that tomorrow. We do it today. So Caleb just had that personality to him. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help the fact that he was caught up with God's promises into his life. So actually, when they first enter into the lands and they spy that there are giants, Caleb is one of these 12 spies that gets sent out. Any guesses why there were 12 spies? Well, 12 tribes. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So one from each tribe gets sent. Any guesses the tribe that Caleb comes from? Judah. Judah's. Judah. It's an interesting tribe that comes across. We hear a lot of the story. The Lion of Judah that we sung this morning. Jesus from the the tribe of Judah. This one that stands up, this one that roars. And Caleb is a culture setter within that tribe. He's a culture setter. And he says at 40 years old, he goes representing his whole tribe. And at 40 years old, he spies the land and he says, though there be giants in the land, we will not be afraid. Is that a song? It was. I'm sure that was a song as a kid growing up in church. You know, though there be giants in the land, we will not be afraid. I can't remember. Um, But anyway, he appears and he says, no, come on. Give me this. Give me the land. We can possess it. Ten tribes come back or ten spies and they say, no, there's giants in the land. There's sons of Anak, there's Anakim that are in the land and we're afraid. We cannot possess it. Yeah, the land may be full of giant pomegranates and giant fruit and a land flowing with milk and honey and we know that it's ripe and fertile, but we cannot possess it because there are giants in the land. But Caleb says, give it to me. (laughs) Yes to God. He doesn't say no, he says yes. But he gets outvoted. 
Have you ever felt outvoted? (laughs) We sometimes have family votes, and I don't always win the family vote on things, often with what we watch on the television, but there you go. But sometimes you do, you get outvoted, and Joshua gets outvoted and has to live with the implications of God's people saying no at that time. And so for a whole generation, they wander the land. They wander the desert. They don't inherit the promises of God. How do you think that makes Caleb feel? Annoyed? (laughs) Probably I told you so. He could have just given up. He could have become dejected and said, oh, I never got it in the prime of my life, in the 40th year of my life, the summer seasons of my life. I didn't receive Sally's, Sally's 40th this week, wasn't it, Sally? Do you feel, do you feel like Caleb? No. <laughs> but as you enter those years, you think this is the prime. And it hasn't happened in my prime. And I've been outvoted and someone's robbed that away from me. And now I have to spend the prime of my life wandering deserts with you lot, moaning continuously that you wish you were still in Egypt and you wish you still had cucumbers to eat. But Caleb doesn't. For 40 years, he wanders with God's people moaning and getting dejected and giving up on the promises. And when the second chance comes, who's at the front of the queue saying, give me the land? Caleb, because that's character. Character preserves. It, it, it keeps going. It says, even when I experience rejection, even when I experience things that are not even my fault, even when I go through things of life, I still stand firm and I believe the promises of God. And so when I get the second opportunity, I'm going to take it again. I'm going to go into the land. I'm going to take the giants. I'm not afraid. There's still giants that were left. There were still giants that were left in the land. And you'll notice the bit that he says today, he says, give it to me. Give me Hebron. I want this beer. I know there's still giants there, but I want it, so give it to me. I said a couple of things last week. Come on, let me skip over some notes. Um, (laughs) I said a couple of things last week that actually if you don't deal with leftovers, leftovers grow back and they bite you on the bum or they bite you on the foot or they eat you and swallow you whole. And actually it's things like the Goliaths, the giants of the land, the sons of Anak that get left and they end up growing from cities like Gath and Goliath returns and comes back to haunt you in the future. Caleb's got that kind of personality where I promise you, he did not let small snakes become a big snake. He noticed a small snake and he said, I'm dealing with it today. I am not putting off my dealing with, and these are some of the things that Andy mentions, I'm not putting off my dealing with the occult of the past. I'm not putting off my dealing with the idols of the old or my need to read my horoscope when I first wake up in the morning. Or there's people in this church who have walked away from Freemasonry. There's people in this church that have walked away from habits of going to Ouija boards or using crystals or, or, or just fulfilling the desires of lust within their own life in what they use on the internet or what they watch. Because this room is full of Caleb personalities, men and women who have said, no, I'm killing that giant today. I'm not putting it off till tomorrow. I'm getting it under control because Christ has given me the victory. And so they've walked in the good of that. Because again, Caleb's spirits in the room notice that if you don't deal with it today, it grows tomorrow and it comes to bite you on the bum in the future. Deal with it today. Put it to death. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given to us. So Caleb's story is one of unfinished business. 45 years of unfinished business. 
If you want to read about it, it's in Numbers 13, when he first gets asked to go and have a look. It's actually Caleb and his mate, Joshua, who are the two spies. The old dogs, the two spies together and they're still in it, still holding on. Actually, Joshua has this beautiful one where his name gets, um, where, where all of a sudden his name gets changed. It, becomes, it go, changes from Hoshia to Joshua. And he represents this tribe of Ephraim. Again, one of these 12 tribes. And they go into the land and say, come on, give it to us. We see what's there. We want it once again. And this is what he said 45 years previously. Caleb said this, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are able to overcome it. And he urged the people of Israel and they still said no. Because the other spy said this in Numbers 13. This land devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw there are of great height. We saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and we seem to be like grasshoppers. Confidence melts, actually. If you've seen that as well, you'll notice that leaders... They don't just lead themselves, they instill courage and confidence into the people around them. That's what, that's what courage is. An encourager is one who puts courage into you. If you like spending time, I, I classify life sometimes as drains and fountains. Does, does that mean anything to anyone? I often find that some people are drains. They drain my courage. Some people are fountains. They put courage into me. Now, life is full of drains and fountains, unfortunately. That is just life. That's human beings. That's humanity itself, full of drains and fountains. And we spend time with drains and fountains. But I love spending time with fountains. I love spending time with people. And actually, what I've found is that more often than not, older people are some of the best fountains that I spend my time with. Because character has been shaped over a long period of time. And I've noticed that older people have an ability to instill courage into you. Because they're encouragers. Go on. Take the land. Trust the promises of God. Go for it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. I did that and I wish I hadn't. Do it differently. Do it today. Trust in God. Pray big prayers. Come on. My time's finishing. Your time's beginning. Get going. And I love it. I love that this is a church full of Caleb's encouragers, instilling courage into others. And they're still doing that. They're still encouraging, come on, we're going into the land. That's why Joshua led God's people into the promises. That's why Caleb did so too. So let's open Joshua 14, verses 6 to 15, and let's read it quickly with each other. It says this, Then the people of Judah, they came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jethunah, the Kerizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the lands, and I brought him word again as was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me and made the heart of the people melt. So just an interesting, that sounds like a, fa- a drain to me. Now they caused them to melt and their courage leaked out of them. God's people, people of confidence, they don't cause your courage to melt and to drain away. They cause you to get firm and strong and confident. They cause courage to rise in you. So the other brothers made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God's. 
And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for me and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the law of my gods. We're going to come to that in a second. What does it mean to be wholehearted for gods? It's one of the things I think that classifies, or Andy had written, classifies Caleb as a distinct person, is that he was wholly for gods. He wasn't part-baked. He wasn't half and half. He wasn't undecided. He was wholly for him. Pursuing God, he is my number one. Nothing else, no compromise. God and God alone. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke these words to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. Are there any 85-year-olds in the room? Come on, Mr. Merton. Come on, and above, yeah, exactly. 85 and beyond. Well, they say, come on. I'm 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Oh, Lord, give me that spirit. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. I'm sure his body wasn't the same as his 40-year-old body, but his spirit was the same. I'm as strong as I ever was. I trust him in the same that I did on that day. So give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard that on that day, how the Anakin were there with great fortified cities, Jericho and the like. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Isn't that a little funny phrase as well? What did Andy say it? The Hebrew word there is the word for perhaps. Ule, apparently. I thought it said ole, but it's not. It's ule. But his, his quote there is basically, it may be, the Lord might be with us. Potentially, the Lord could be with us. But if there's any potential that the Lord might be with us, I'm going with it. Because if the Lord is with me, we are going to be successful. If the Lord goes before us, we will be victorious. I love that confidence. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord have said. And then Joshua blessed him and gave, him, gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jethuna, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jethuna, the Kerizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. And Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. So it was named after this legendary giant that lived in the land, Arba. Arba was part of its own name. But Joshua changed its name to Hebron. God's got a real habit of doing that as well, changing names. You find it loads in the Bible. Loads of examples where God takes an old identity and he gives it a new identity. And often when God's people go into the land, they change a name from an old identity to a new one. See, again, we sit here as a room full of people that were once called sinners, but now we're called saints. We have a new identity. We were, we were those that were, once were not in Christ, but now we are found in Christ Jesus. Our identity has changed. We've become new, and our identity reflects that. We live in the good of it. 
And what happens? The land had rest from war. So two things. Number one, Caleb had a different spirit from the rest. And number two, Caleb had a wholehearted faith. He wholly believed and trusted in God's. Caleb said to Joshua, we have unfinished business. Do we have unfinished business? Do we have things of the past that we know hold us back or inhibit us in our walk with God's? Caleb would be saying to you today, say yes to God today. Let it go today. Trust him again today, not tomorrow, today. Walk into the land today. Possess it today. Because the different spirit, it trusts God's promises over the lies of the enemy. It trusts God's promises over the fear of the world's. It trusts God's promises over the power of the flesh. And it once again wakes up and it says, no, I trust the promise giver. I trust the one who made the promise. So to Timothy, this is Paul writing again. And what's he doing? He's instilling courage into a young believer. He's being a fountain to Timothy. And he says to Timothy in Timothy 1 verse 5 to 7, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice. Generational. Again, you notice it. Timothy spends time with his mum, Eunice, who's a woman of sincere faith. And she spent time with her grandmother, Louis. You spend time with people of faith and you get shaped by it as well. And you notice as well that that same spirit, it dwells in you. It dwelt in them, it dwells in you. You've been shaped. Your character has already been shaped by these great women that have gone before you. They've taught you in the faith. They've shaped this sincere faith in you. So it's so important that we shape the faith of the next generation. If you're a parent, shape your children's faith. That's why it's so important that you set an example of what it is to worship and pray and devote yourself to the word because you're setting in people a sincere faith. If you don't have children, set it in the example of the children around here. The children that will be screaming at Sunday morning as they're there. But I'd rather have them in the room than out the room because I want to shape their faith. I want to set an example of what it is to worship Jesus. I don't want to say, oh, I wish they were a bit less loud. No, I'm going to be louder than the kids because I'm going to set an example of what it is to be sincere in faith and worship God regardless. And I'm not going to say, oh, I wish that it was easier. If we, could we just kick the kids out 10 minutes earlier? No, we're going to set an example because we're men and women of faith that shape the culture and the character of the next generation. And for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame a gift that God has given you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of, say it with me, fear, but of power and love and self-control. You have the Spirit of God in you. And that Spirit is not a spirit of fear. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spirit of power, you have a spirit of love, and you have a spirit of self-control. You can say no. You can say no to the things of the flesh and say yes to the things of God. You can love when everything in you would hate. You can forgive when everything in you would say Don't let go. Hold on to your anger. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a power in you that sets you free and you can live in the good of it today. It is a different spirit. And it is the same spirit in you at 85 years old as it is to 40 years old. Because when God begins a thing in you, he always brings it to completion. He finishes it. What's the second thing that he says? 
Caleb is wholehearted in his faith. Caleb has this. Caleb says, so this is Joshua 14, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God's. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land of which your foot has trodden shall be inheritance for you and for your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Be wholehearted in faith. Don't be part-hearted in your faith. Don't be half in, half out. That is the most uncomfortable place to sit on the fence. It is. Sitting on the fence is really painful. Either be in or be out. Either be the people of God's or say no. God is not interested in half-baked, lukewarm, sometimes I'll take it, sometimes I won't, Christianity and faith. He'll put up with it for a while. He'll give you a chance, but he longs for people who say yes to him, fully, yes. I believe you, God. I trust in you. I'm in. I'm part of the people of God. That's why baptism is such a significant event. Because baptism is one of those moments we've sat with enough people preparing for baptism where it really is that bit of saying, I can't be half baptised. I think I kind of did it. I think someone threw some water on me at some point. I'm not quite sure. No, no, no. I'm, I've been fully dying to my old way of life and risen to a new life. And that's why when even that song, as we were singing this morning, that's why our feelings will trick us. Oh, am I fully after God or not? I can't quite remember. Oh, I feel a bit, I don't feel great this morning. It's okay. Feelings will do that. But decisions remain. A decision, a moment, a commitment of faith. And God is faithful to our commitments. When we trust in him, he's faithful towards them. He sees the commitments we make. So even when we fluctuate and we go up and down, he maintains firm and secure to the promises that we make in him. Be wholehearted in your commitment to Jesus. Say yes to him. So again, this is a Paul writing to a church in Philippi. And this time he says to them, and he says to us today, Philippians 3 verse 10, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect. We're not perfect. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, I strain forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Caleb is so determined to lay hold of God's promises that he would literally rather die than wait around for another sign. I don't want to wait. Lord, I'd rather die trusting and following you than waiting around for another sign. Oh God, I'd rather die today. I'd rather, I'd rather accept death today if it means obedience to you than just hanging around and waiting to see if you're going to do something. See, and, and this is where I just want to come into land. So I don't know, well, I, I'd love it just to pray as we come up. So you just want to come and join me just as we come in. 
Like Caleb, he sees the giants. That's the most important bit. If he was ignorant, you might say he was just stupid. Oh, you didn't realise how big the giants were. No, no, he saw them. And yet he still, because of a different spirit that had grown in him, and because of a wholeheartedness in faith, he saw the obstacles and he still chose to, to choose to believe the promises of God. He was not ignorant. Christian, we're not called to just be ignorant and go, oh, maybe if I just ignore the problems or ignore the situations that I face, it will be easier to get through it. No, we face up to life. That is what, so sitting with someone this week and they're, they're, they've, they've, they've had cancer for a number of years but they now know that they're facing the end. They've been moved to palliative care. They know that the end is in sight. They are not ignorant to the giant that stands before them of death. They're not. They're just not afraid. It's not like they don't know. Oh, I, I, I haven't, oh I'm just trying to pretend that this isn't going to happen to me. I'm just going to pretend that it's all going to be okay. No, no. They're facing up to their own death, but they're not afraid of the giant. They're not afraid of possessing eternal life, which stands before them. And I tell you what, when I saw them in their hospital beds, they were the most free person on the whole of the wards. They were strapped up to machines, they had plugs in their side, they had, they had drain taking things out of their chest. But I promise you, they were the most free person sitting there because they were not afraid. There were other people that could get up and go to the toilet and wander around, be going out the next day, and maybe their diagnosis is not palliative care and death, but they were, you still see that bondage and that struggle and that fear and that worry and that apprehension of the giant that stands before us who has destroyed the giant on our behalf of sin and death Jesus our true Joshua has done it Jesus has gone before us and he has slain the giant he's defeated it it is finished once and for all and we're not Joshua we're Caleb we now say I'm going to walk in your promises. I see what you've done, Lord, and I'm going to walk in the goodness of it. Give it to me. I trust you, Lord God. I want to walk in the freedom of today. See, it's impossible to make an excuse and make history at the same time. It's impossible to wear a crash helmet and a victor's crown. It's impossible to hang on to safety and to hang on to God's promises. It's impossible to be, or for us to be those that are away with the demands of watertight proof before we step out in wholehearted faith. If Caleb teaches us anything, it's to say, Lord, I trust you and I'm going to be wholehearted in this today. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to, I'm not going to live in insecurity anymore. I'm going to trust you've got this. You go before me. You've done it on my behalf. So I just want us to pray as we come into land. We've got our church meal that we're going to have together, but I just want to pray some courage into us as a people. So would you just stand with me and just put your hands out before God's? I might actually, is he, is he around? Is Martin Coops around? Where is he? Come on, Coops, because I didn't know when I was going to finish. And sometimes the danger I find with people when they pray at the end of a preach is they re-preach their preach in their prayer. You ever notice that? I'm sorry, I've done it a number of times. So have you, you got a microphone there? Rather than me re-preaching it, I'm going to get Martin just to pray. just want Martin just to pray for a confidence and courage in us. And if you know you need it today, go. Be strong and courageous. Walk in the promises of God. He's been victorious. Live in the good of it today. It's all right.
Father, I want to thank you that, that it's you that puts a boldness in us. Joshua, the servant of God, saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. And I thank you that it's you that puts a boldness in us by your spirit and that you've called us to be your mouthpiece and your eyes and your ears and your hands on this earth. That when you ascended and went to heaven, you left a job for us and your spirit in us so that we, us humans, can carry on the work that you started. It's an amazing privilege to be counted as your servants. To be counted as servants of Jesus is an amazing privilege. And God, I want to thank you that the boldness that you give us is from you and not from us. And that the spirit that you put in us is from you and not from us and the helper that you give to us to be your mouthpiece to be your ears and your eyes and your hands on this earth is from you and is you in us and I pray for a God-given boldness where we realize that you have put your spirit in us to be bold and be courageous and be your hands on this earth there's nothing in the way of that because it's a gift from you to us and I pray that you'll just help us realize that and take our own hindrances out of the way and move forward and go in your name with the boldness that you have given us. <laughs> 